0: Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast, providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenache. I am a coach, a conduit, and a catalyst who launches humanity into greatness by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. So today our topic is going to be influence. And that's a topic that's near and dear to my heart because the tagline for my podcast is enhance your life, impact your circle. Mm. So it really is all about influence. And I am all about feeling like if we become better people, then the influence that we bring to the world and to our families and friends and communities is going to be a better influence. So literally that's like the whole reason that I do any of the things I do on this podcast is to be an influence and so we're going to kind of dive into that. And I have Michelle DeWitt with me today. Say hi to the people. Hi, <laughs> glad to be on your show today. Well, thank you for joining us. And, and where are you located? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Awesome. I think you're our first guest from North Carolina. I don't think we've had anybody else. from So thank you for okay. being the first one. OK, say so where are you at? I'm in Texas. Oh I'm, I'm Texas? right outside of Houston. Oh goodness. Okay. hmm How's the weather there? It is about 70 degrees outside. So it's it's nice and very mild. It was rainy yesterday and the days before, but mm-hmm. it's very mild. No, no rain right now. So we're we're enjoying um this is kind of winter for us, so it doesn't get too cold in Texas. Okay. You know? But, you know, since you brought up the weather, since we're talking about the weather, you know, you pick the topic of influence. And there are so many things that can influence us. And weather is one.
1: A big influencer.
0: Yes. Some people uh, end up getting what they call sad seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Because when we have winter, we have less daylight hours. Yeah. Fewer daylight hours. And also, it's colder. More people are inside. You know, people tend to get more depressed and things like that. Are you ever affected by, you know, your mood affected by the weather or do you tend to stay pretty calm? No, I am. I I don't like um,
1: winter at all. No. I'm a sunny, springy kind of girl. I like to go out, I like to have fun in the sun. And when um, the leaves start falling off the tree in the fall, I'm just like, here it comes. I have to prepare myself. I don't like cold. I really don't. And people is like, you are so different because you love the pool. But I do. I love the pool. I get in the pool in a minute, but I just don't like that cold weather. It, It feels like to me I'm trapped and I can't go anywhere now. I have to. You know, I just can't throw on the stuff that you would throw on in the summertime. You now you have to really prepare and look, and then feel and decide if you're gonna actually go to the grocery store. How was the temperature outside? If it's too cold, no
0: groceries. I I I, I go through all the changes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, know, I think it's it's really good to know yourself and to plan for things like that. Um, you know, like when I know it's getting to be winter, I already know I don't like the cold very much. I try to prepare myself in a sense that, that, okay, they're going to be dreary days, cold days. What are some things I can look forward to? And I try to have self care routines that may be slightly different than the summer and the spring and the fall and winter, you know, so, if we know things are going to influence us negatively as as adults who have a lot of control over our lives, one thing we can do, you know, because this podcast is about self-care, self-development, self-empowerment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is to empower ourselves to look for more positive influences. Maybe we need to have, you know, more affirmations in our day. Maybe we need to have our favorite hot chocolate on standby, you know, or some hot toddies or or, you know, I used to like to buy these little socks. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. those fluffy socks that have yes. uh, like, sometimes they have, like that. The, the lotion or stuff inside of them. Cause that makes me feel like real pampered. Yeah. And I'll get out my slippers. Cause I don't normally wear slippers when it's spring or summer, but I like the slippers in the winter. Okay. okay. Cause I don't like my feet hitting that cold floor. You know, like in the kitchen or the bathroom. So I love, you know, I can look forward to wearing my slippers. Whereas I don't normally wear them when it's not cooler in the house, you know? Yeah. So it's just some some little things. Yeah, like you say, you
1: adjust to it, even though you know it's coming. So with the mindset that it is coming, just like you said, we have to prepare. Uh, It's no doubt that it's going to happen. I actually went and I got me a... um, I got me a light bulb drink, um, the little bulbs that go on the tree. I got one of these. It says, I have never personal. seen that before. <laughs> it's cute. I got ginger ale in here. I'm almost done with it. But um, I got this yesterday and I said, Oh, this is cute. So I bought little whatnots for myself and I think they're so cute. Um, so it's helpful. Just like you say, you have to plan what it is that you want to do on those days that you can't do and encourage yourself to come on, let's get it going.
0: I agree. So, so what made you pick the topic of influence out of kind of the list that you saw? Um, Influence is all around us.
1: We have influences from our inner household, out of our household. Social media is a big influencer. Um, we have a lot, and I believe that we need to make sure that when we have those people that are in our circle, outside of our circle, that we're careful and knowledgeable of what has taken place in our mindset, whether it's, um, cognitive or, or not, you know? Um, and so I chose that because I had so many different things happening to me as a child. And the influence of that situation that happened to me um, caused me to go into depression and having anxiety, Um, whereas someone who it is that's a child that that did not go through what I went through, they didn't have anxiety, they didn't have depression, they actually had that fulfillment of joy, they actually was able to feel wanted. And so that influence means a lot when you're talking about being influenced um, by things and people. It's so important that we get this out here and make sure that we work with our minds first, because that's where it's at. It starts with your mind. Who is it that is in your circle? Are they a good influencer or are they a bad influencer? A good influencer is someone who doesn't mind Pulling you along a little bit at a time. It's okay. They're influencing you because they see the gift that's within you. Versus an influencer who's always saying you're not this and you always talking about that. That is not good. So you need to think about who's in your circle and seasons change circles change that person that was a big influencer to you at that time thank you for all that you've done and how you did this but you'll start drifting away from that person and now god is leading you to a different light where you maybe now you're going to be the one that's going to pull some people along um and your circle changes a whole a dramatic change
0: i agree with you You know um in childhood, we don't have a whole lot of control. As we get older, we can make better choices. You know, we get into our teen years, better choices with our friends, you know. But there's so many influences on children, you know, parents, grandparents, the community. But also, we have a whole bunch of hormones that are being released in our bodies, even as adults. And food can influence us. You know, I've been doing some research lately, you know, and I've been putting more healthy supplements in my body because I didn't know that certain foods or drinks, um, teas that you take, you know, our ancestors knew a lot, a lot about a lot of these things. Nutrition is a big deal. So, you know, when you're talking about growing up and, and dealing with depression and dealing with anxiety, you know, there are techniques that I've learned That, you know, again, it it matters who is in your circle, like you were saying, because I was kind of um, raised with the whole idea of, oh, just, you know, put that out of your mind, think positive rather than really dealing with it. It was more like repress it, suppress it, ignore it, hide it rather than find ways to actually cope with it and, and talk about it, write about it, you know, deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've only learned how to do a lot of that as an adult. And, and one of the things that I think is really powerful as we're influencing young people is to teach them and give them tips and tricks and tools to deal with things like depression and anxiety, you know, and, and one of the things that I want my platform to do is to, to, in you know, basically say to people, Hey, there's books out there. There's, um, Podcasts, there's videos. You know, I I always push a lot of affirmation videos. You know, I talk to people about things like tapping. Basically, tapping is a way to calm the nervous system. So, like mm-hmm. you literally go around the face and you will say things and you will tap pressure points on your face and your body That's to good. kind of release some of that stress. Yeah, breath work. You know, um, meditation, guided meditation different types of music. There are different types of music that help you. Like I listen to some music that's ambient music. I listen to some music that's calm in the nervous system, you know? So there's a lot of different things we can do. So we have, we have ways to influence ourselves yes, <laughs> yes. And, and to expose ourselves to positive influences. Cause you were talking a lot about who is in your circle. Yeah. And we have to be very deliberate as we get older about who is in our circle. And that's also, like you said, what are you looking at on social media? What are you looking at on TV? What are you listening to as far as music? What are you reading as far as books and articles? So all of those are choices we can make because whatever we put in, you know, they say you are what you eat. Right. (laughs) But that's not just talking about what goes in the mouth. That's talking about what actually goes in the eyes, what goes in the ears. You know, those things that we're taking into our body are making our mindset a certain way. Yes. We can either be expanding our mindset to where we feel limitless and feel like we have the ability to change, like you were saying, or we can be restricting it to where you were talking about those negative influences and make you feel like you can not do anything. You can't be anything. Everything is out of your reach. You need to just be happy that you, you know, got a job and got a, a beat up car and you got a, you know, one bedroom efficiency and be happy, you know. Whereas other people would say, hey, it's be grateful for what you have, but you can have more. The yes, things that you're is. willing to work for, the things that you're willing to invest in, in yourself first, and then in 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 the decisions you make and the, the choices that you put effort into you know, you can end up being wherever you want to be. So kind of, you were talking about kind of having a difficult childhood and how that led to anxiety and depression. Um, Was there a time in your childhood or when you got to be a little older that you realized that some of the influences around you weren't positive? Did you know that as a child or was that something that you understood as you got older?
1: It was something that I understood as I got older. um I, as a child, we I lived in a very strict home with my mom and dad. Um, and the conversations that we had were very um, what I would say is you've heard it before what's in this house stays in this house. and so um you knew not to go out the house and talk about whatever happened in the home. And our friends to play with, they either had to come in our yard to play with us or not play with us at all. So Mm -hmm. growing up, it was very boom, boom, boom with my father. He was very strict, very strict. And as I began to grow and go to school, I realized how these other children were able to walk down the hall together, something small as that. Um, I've never been able to walk down a hall with anyone, you know, telling me get here or do this. So now I feel a little free to walk down the hall, uh, with other students. I'm looking at what they got on. I'm looking at their shoes. I want to be their friends, but they don't want to be mine. And, um, I, I still tried to push it. I didn't understand why I was able to ride on a school bus Wow, I'm on a school bus too. So all these things come into a little person's mind as they begin to develop. And, and also having to be, that has been damaged. I was damaged as a little girl by being molested and no one knew, but it being in a different environment um, felt good. I wasn't home in that dark, cloudy place where I knew the incident happened and here it is. I'm told to clean up all the time. And But when I get to school, when I'm at the bus stop, when I'm on the bus, all those things It causes a little anxiety, but a happiness too. So yes, as a child, a child has already got to deal with growing with all these emotions inside of them. And the weight of something that should happen between adults is now on that child as well. And so that is a lot, a a whole bundle, a bag of all kinds of emotions everywhere. And so... I, I explain that to people a lot. Um, our children are so sensitive. Uh, my husband said it's like a SpongeBob. You know, they suck up everything. They can hear what you're saying. They know your attitude. They know who's real. They know who's not real. And when it comes down to that, um, growing, being into my teenage years from a young. Uh, child moving up into my teenage years, the same issue was there. The same rule was there with my father. Here it is. I'm 13, 14. I still can't go out. There are things I still am not able to do. I wasn't able to spend the night at friend's house. I'm the only girl that my mother had. And so I grew up in a home with four brothers and I'm the only girl. And I felt like a uh, shell the maid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So being a teenager was totally different. Um, I was happy to go to middle school. Here it is, another avenue of learning, uh, making friends possibly. Um, it, it was big. I felt like a big girl going to middle school. Um, I thought that I would have people that would be proud of me going to middle school. It was more so that, 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 and that, 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 that with middle school. Um, and then here we go again. I'm raped at the age of 14 Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in middle school. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not telling anyone. Mind you, as a child, I held in a secret, a very um, important secret, detrimental. And here it is, I was raped at 14. There, I dare not say anything. Um, I just didn't. I didn't want to say anything because I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to... Um, be around me. I wanted to be that good girl to influence people to be in my circle. So I didn't say anything to anyone. Again, my house was a gloomy house. It was abuse in the home and I didn't want my mom to get beat up by my dad for something that happened to me or my mm-hmm. dad cursed me out because of something that happened to me and blamed me for. It, so I just shut my mouth. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I'm so sorry that you felt like you had nowhere to go to and no safe uh, where to turn, you know, with my, my childhood was difficult as well. I was molested as well. Not, not at home with my parents, but with another relative that lived out of state. Mm. And um, you know, that, that does influence the way that you see the world. I didn't remember it until I was in my twenties um so I repressed it completely. Yeah. But you know for me school was um an escape and when I went to school I could be kind of a different person and I I love books books were an escape for me cuz I could dive into that world and they influenced me to to just think a little differently and think a little bigger um and and to love the word love words you know yes. and and I also was athletes. So I played volleyball and basketball. I was in choir. Mm-hmm. I was in a lot of different activities. So that gave me an outlet and, and, and it stimulated my mind, but it also stimulated my body and it influenced me to, to make me feel important. Like I was part, I was an integral part of a team yeah. and the team needed me and I had skills that they would see and, 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 you know, praise me for. and, it also bonded me with my father cuz my father really wanted a boy and so the fact that i was really good at sports he was really proud of that oh yeah you know so um but but to deal you know there's so many messages that young girls and and even young boys get when they're coming into their middle school years and their 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 bodies are blooming. Yeah. I developed very early. Yes. My, my nickname which I hated when I was in middle school was Dolly Parton 2 oh. because I had double basically almost double Ds in middle school and in 7th mm-hmm. and 8th grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the most developed girl in school. And that gave me and and that's another thing that we don't talk about a lot in the community is that there are predators in our community that look at young girls and see women
1: yeah, and,
0: and they come on to these. Cause I had, I was barely in ninth grade and I had grown men coming on to me wow, and I had no training and how to, to, to stand up for myself and say, you know, to use my voice and say, you know, get away from me. So mm-hmm. I would be, you know, I was, kind of try to smile and get away and be polite and that's what you're trained to do. Be polite and smile and be nice and easygoing. I think more girls are being trained to say, to say no. And I was, I wasn't, thank God that I wasn't physically attacked by any of these people, but they were very inappropriate in in their words to me. Yeah. And even t- trying to touch and grab and grope me, those kind of things. But it didn't go beyond that level, thank God. But yes, amen. I, I'm, you know, one of the things that I, in making this podcast and both of us being survivors, if anybody's listening to it, you know, if you have young girls around you, I, I really hope that people are preparing them and saying, hey, you have a right to tell people you're making me uncomfortable. Back up, you know, don't talk to me like that. Don't touch me like that and tell people, adults around you that so and so said this inappropriate thing to me. And it made me feel very uncomfortable, you know, and, and for our girls to have a voice and even our boys, cause, you know, boys can be targets too for the, for young people and, and people of any age to use their voice and to feel like they can, can, um, Have boundaries,
1: absolutely. It's okay, it's okay to have those boundaries. Um, we do need to be more um attentive to our youth and young adults to let them know you're not out of place, you may feel out of place, but that out of place is going to be well worth it. Feel it, do it, feel it. If you feel like telling somebody, Hey, back up, you're in my space. And it feels out of place for you to do it or say it for the first time, feel that out of place because what it's going to do is going to give you the boldness to say it again. And again, if someone is in your space, uh, we want our young people and our young adults to know what uh, predators are doing. And so I offer a workshop to the parents and the workshop is called parents. Um, Let's be real. And mm. in that workshop, I go into detail talking to the parents about social media and the social media accounts that their children have and how they can get lured into, um, predator sites. And I also talk with parents about, um, their college students is so vivid on the news right now about stalking and um, Mm. I talk to the parents in regards to stalking what to tell their child or children as they begin to enter college the things, some key things that they can do to make sure that they're not being stalked by anyone on the college campuses that the real talk workshop that I do with parents I lay everything out on the line for them so that they will have clarity uh, I just finished a workshop about two weeks ago with parents and they were so clear as to, um, some sexual myths and truths. I did that with them and they were like, their mouths dropped. Like I thought it was this and I thought it was like, no, it's not. And Charlotte is number one. Charlotte's number one for sex trafficking in, um, the United States number one.
0: Wow. I think Houston is number two. So it is crazy okay. that the two of us are on this podcast and we're ranked that high. You know, I, I'm a high school educator. I'm a, okay. I'm a sub right now, but I taught high school for 29 years. And uh, in the last six or seven years, especially since we came back from quarantine, mm-hmm. the, all of the, um, we have cosmetology in our school. Yeah, you were required to have several notices about, you know, trafficking. And we would have notices in the bathrooms about, you know, uh, if one of your friends Mm -hmm. is, um, kind of hanging out with the wrong people, or they, you feel like they're in danger of someone trying to snatch them. Or if somebody tried to snatch Mm -hmm. you in some kind of way, there were like numbers on these, on these flyers about, you can report, um, Anytime that you felt uncomfortable, like somebody was trying to get you, lure you, you know, yeah. I mean? um, into certain situations um, because, and it, it would have all these little, you know, be aware when you're out and about, don't be so into your phone that you're not aware of your surroundings. Don't have both ears covered by headphones, you know, it, it would have all of these different tips to basically kind of keep yourself safe in public. Right. Because A lot of young people, especially high school age, were being targeted um, to be to be sex trafficked. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing that we have to realize is that, you know, we have to let our young people know how to protect themselves. Like I said, how to use their voice, how to use their wisdom, their intuition, Um, because a lot of times as young people, we are influenced to silence our intuition to feel like we don't know better and we have to listen to people around us, even sometimes strangers. And, and we do need to, there's a, there's a time and place to be compliant and there's a time and place to follow your intuition. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we have to kind of, in a sense instill in our young people, Hey, you need, you know, just be aware of those boundaries, be aware. And don't let don't let somebody have undue influence over you because oh because they're trying to manipulate you. And and that's a whole nother thing. You talked about wanting to be liked. Yeah, you know, there are so many young people. We all want to be liked. And and, you know, we don't grow out of that. We may become a little more discerning as we get older.
1: Right. <laughs> about who we let close
0: to us. Yeah, most of us, a lot of us grow up not getting the love and attention that we wanted as children. So that abandonment um, core wound is there or that unworthiness core wound or that low self-esteem. So that makes us even more easily influenced. And if somebody starts to shower a little attention on us, you know, I call it love bombing. Ah. You know, there are some people that will start to love bomb you they will start to overshadow you with compliments. They'll start to maybe even give you inappropriate gifts. They'll try to paint this future that you could have with them. Mm. And all you have to do is things you're not comfortable with. You know what I mean? All you have to do is let some things slide that shouldn't slide or let them go a little further than you would want them to go, you know, but we Uh have to teach our kids (laughs) our young people to say no. Right you know, and, and, and if somebody really loves you, if they really value you, they will not be trying to get around your boundaries. They will not be trying to push you to do things you're not ready for. That's right. They will not be trying to take away your voice. They will not be telling you to hide things or keep things mm-hmm. a secret, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's a lot of things that young, young kids are told, well, this is our secret, you know, and, and those, people are using their power and their influence in the wrong ways when they do that. And they're, they're abusing their influence rather than using it as a protective thing where they want to be a positive influence or a role model. They're using that influence as a manipulative tool.
1: Right. So if, when it comes down to influence, just as you stated, uh, you have to be careful who is in that circle of influence You have to ask yourself some questions as a young adult, as a teenager. What is it? One of them is um, how far am I allowed? How far am I going to allow myself to go? That's one question. The second thing is um, what do I do when there is someone that has come into the circle and they're not my friend, but they're a friend of mine? How do I handle that? You know, you have to ask yourself that question because that happens just because I'm friends with you doesn't mean I'm friends with you. It's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times our our youth want to make it a big problem. It's not. It's life. It's being mature. I can be friends with you, but that doesn't mean you're going to be friends with my friends. It's okay. So how far are you willing to go? Are you willing to talk with your friend and let your friend know, hey, I'm glad you guys got a good relationship? Right now, I just don't feel like I'm going to be around you guys with that relationship that you guys have. Nothing's wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. I just want to hang out with you for a little bit. And maybe we'll see where the relationship goes. And ask yourself, even with dating with guys, uh, what kind of guys are you attracting? What kind of guys are you influencing in your circle? If you um, have this you know, mouth that is... Uh, faster than a train then you may be influencing some people that you don't want um what are you doing? Are you are you a very well-educated young lady and you can actually help others out and they're coming to you saying, how did you get that? Then maybe that that's your thing and guys love women that are mature too and they're not always looking at the boom, boom, booms and all that. They like well-educated women too and more so than the ones with the mouth because they feel the ones with the mouth they'll give you what you want and give you the mouth but the ones that are more settled and set back they're not so quick to do that they're not so quick and like you said the influencing of, of uh, music music influences us in a very mm-hmm. different way according to what we're listening to if i'm constantly listening to something that has um about women and you're constantly talking negative about me as a woman, then you're not, you can't influence me in that area. Sometimes you get caught up with the beat, the beat, the beat. And before you know it with the beat, the beat, here it is, the words, the words, the word. And then you think about it. I did a session with these young girls like that. Pick any song you want. I told them to write on a sheet of paper, any song, any song, any song you want. They put on a sheet of paper. I crumbled up the paper and I said, um, I'm going to pick one song and they were looking at each other like, "Uh oh, so I played it on YouTube and they were so like this. They were just so shy, like "Oh, she listened to it. Oh, And then I played another one and another one. And so I saw the motions of the girls. I said, so why would you listen to this by yourself? And it's not appropriate for me to hear. That doesn't make sense. I want to hear what you hear. No, that's for the young. So what about it? It's for the young people. All I hear is profanity. I hear dogging out of girls. I hear how guys got the money. They got the guns and they're selling the dope. And I told these young girls that I said, if you don't think I should hear, what makes you think you should? Mm. Yeah. So I share those things with them to let them know I am a strong advocate of influence. When it comes down to men um, hitting on ladies, our organization, we talk to the guys and we talk to the girls. That's the uniqueness of our organization. It's not just a girl group. It's both. And we talk to them in regards to building themselves up. What can we do from this point on? How would you like to see your future? Let's build a board. Let's get this together. It doesn't take um, 10 days. It may take 10 years. It's okay, one step at a time. And as soon as you get that first step done, give yourself a clap on the
0: back. And trust me, I'm definitely gonna do it for you. Well, that's awesome. You know, another thing that I don't think we've mentioned yet, you know, you're talking about encouraging them as they take steps forward. Um, A lot of adults, children and young adults have low self-esteem. And so there's so, it's kind of like that saying that don't be so thirsty, Mm. for love and attention that you'll drink from any cup that is given to you because that cup could be full of poison yeah so some people don't feel like they have the right or the they they don't have the choices because they see themselves so low that they're just happy anybody pays them any attention anybody comes around them and so they're, they're just they're just taking any attention that comes their way even if it's negative, even if it's abusive, even if it's um, humiliating or, or negative and derogatory, and they haven't learned to love themselves. And, and, you know, when you've had sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse growing up, sometimes it's, it's hard to learn to love yourself because you're, you take on sometimes it must have been something about me.
1: Absolutely. That
0: made this happen. But I want to tell anybody who's listening or watching, you're not responsible for what adults did to you when you were a child. You were a child and those adults were supposed to protect you and they didn't do what they were supposed to do. It was not your fault. Absolutely. And, you know, when you get to be a, a younger adult or an older adult, you have to deal with those scars and you have to get yourself into a better situation. And that may mean going to therapy. That may mean distancing yourself from people that are toxic and and getting yourself to some healing so that you can choose better influences because you have raised your standard. Right. Your standard isn't down at the on the floor where anybody can walk all over you and treat you like a doormat but your standard is where you have to be talked to a certain way and you have to be handled a certain way. And and you have to give yourself basically the permission to say I am worth having these standards that's and right. these are just human, you know, it's like, here's the human being standard, you know, yep. I mean, just because I'm a human being, I deserve this. Yep. I don't have to be the best human being on the planet. Yep. I'm just a human being. Just a human have my being. And here, you know, I am still worthy of respect,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, so that's something else that some people have to start from that point of saying, I know I have had some low self-esteem and I've let people influence me in certain ways. And I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm going to heal myself. I'm going to be better. So So, you, Oh, go ahead. So,
1: you know what you're saying that, I mean, you have to just take it step by step. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: I always tell people, take your time. The Mm -hmm. first thing you got to acknowledge for yourself today is that you gotta, if you just acknowledge just that much today, And you said, oh, wow, I'm up. Yeah. So when you go into the restroom and you feel like the bed is calling you back to the bed, (laughs) I'm going to brush my teeth today. And you know what? I'm just going to put on some makeup. I I just I'm not going anywhere. I just want to put some makeup. I just want to see how giggly and funny I can be to myself. Those are things that can help improve you. Nobody else but you. It's just you. Be that little girl that you, that's inside of you. Enjoy her. And when the thoughts come back of those who did not shield and protect you, you can definitely say, I'm not in that position anymore. Just like you said, take your time. And uh, those thoughts come, take the deep breaths and take your time when you feel overwhelmed. Uh, A lot of times I tell people, write a letter to the abuser and let the abuser know exactly how you feel. Don't leave anything out. Don't cut corners. Write it all down. And when you write that down to that abuser, whether the abuser is out of town, whether that abuser is dead now, I want you to take your paper, shrivel it up, tear it up, rip it up, burn it, and say, you have no more control over me. Now I'm free. And that's what you have to do. You may say it's easy, said, then done. Or you're looking at a person who have done that. I've mm-hmm. done that. And I didn't have coaches. I didn't have YouTube. I didn't have anyone on my side to help me. I was alone. But I want people to hear this podcast and know uh, that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You have two women here who are telling you, you got this. You can do this. There is a way out. I didn't have any that in my ear as a teenager, as an adult. Um, the last person that I had to say, I was 21 years old, and it was one more person that violated me. I was violated uh, by family members, and um, I was 21, and it was suppressed. I went to the beach for the first time. I was 21 and the lady at my church took me. And I remember standing on the balcony, just crying, crying, crying. She said, what was going on? And I told her, she said, you got to tell your mom. And I'm now 21 years old. I knew the pain my mom went through to find out about her two uncles. And then knowing about two uncles on my dad's side, i now this uncle so I didn't want to tell her, and I just cried and cried. But I finally mm-hmm. did tell that to my mom and shared that with her. But the thing, the point I want to make out to this: yes, it's gonna hurt, just like scraping your knee. Whew, it burns! It burns! It hurts so bad. But you got to put the near sparring on it, and that near sparring on that burn in that womb is a counselor, is a therapist, is encouragement, is affirmation. That's the nearest form. You have to do it consistently until it becomes that scab. You have to keep doing it and doing it over and over again so that you can be that successful person. What is that thing that you want to do? What is it? Put it on the wall. The Bible says, write the vision and make it plain. And so when I was... um. Writing my book, I've been there. A friend mentioned it to me because I always tell people about what happened in my life. She said, Why don't you put it in a book? And I said, I don't journal. I don't do books. I don't journal. <laughs> and she encouraged me to do it. And so I went back and just looked at my life. I went from my hurt uh abused little girl to a um to a dropout in high school. Uh, being pregnant and having three children before the age of 17. Graduating with my GED, um, by the time I was in my, uh, by the time I was in my twenties, I wasn't satisfied. I went to college to get my degree in theology. And after finishing getting my degree in theology, I went back to school to get to seminary school. And then from seminary school, I wrote a book. And from writing my book, I have my own organization. Now, if, if I'm telling you all the stuff that I've been through, that means you, too, can definitely get through. You can do this. And I'm telling you, it, it, I, I did this without family. My family doesn't talk to me like that. Um, I may get a hello, how you doing, a shout out or something on Facebook. So I have more family in my church family and than I do my family. If I went through being a pregnant mom, working hard and going to school, you can do it, too. You just have to put your mind into it. Force yourself on those days that you don't want to. Force yourself. Say, I've got to do this today. Today, if I could just do this one today, we'll check it out tomorrow. We'll check out the other one tomorrow.
0: Well, that's a really inspiring story. I to it. A lot of things that, you know, there are a lot of statistics that you kind of, in a sense, overcame because some people will want to write you off after certain things happen to you and say, well, because this happened to you, you're limited to this level of development or this level of success. You're not going to have healthy relationships. You're not going to be able to get married. You're not going to be able to get a degree. You know, you were a dropout. So why would you get a degree? You couldn't, you know, but you said what happened in the past has nothing to do with my future. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to set a goal and I'm going to work towards that goal and I'm going to achieve that goal. And, and so you set out to do that and you did. And, you know, that's what I tell people a lot. You know, one of the things I think is very inspirational. And I I talk a lot about role models and journaling and things like that. I feel like if there's a person who accomplished it before you, That could be a role model, (laughs) whatever you're trying to do. You're probably not the first person to try to do something like that. Yeah. So, you know, that to me is, I I look for people who have recreated themselves. I look for people who have um, defied the odds. I look because I want them to influence me. I want to read their story and I want to be inspired. I want to be influenced because I want to see a bigger vision of myself. And I think the, that vision is one of the places that you can start with changing your life is, is seeing yourself slightly differently, even if it's just a little tiny percentage, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause we can't see sometimes our dreams are way too big. Yeah. And sometimes they're not big enough, Yeah. you know? So sometimes you just need, You just need to have a little baby step goal sometimes. That's it. it. And then when you accomplish that baby step goal, then you feel more encouraged to do the next baby step goal and the next baby step goal. And so once you keep you put enough of those together, (laughs) you end up getting to the big goal. Right. And and that's another tagline of the of the podcast that I have is small changes, big results. Yes, because when when I'm talking to people on here, a lot of times it's just a small little tweak that they started with. You know, it's just a small one decision that they made that they started with. And that decision led to another decision and another decision and another decision. So, you know, um, one of the things I love and my podcast, the icon, or as you say, the logo Mm -hmm. is a butterfly on water. Okay. And that's the butterfly effect. So the butterfly effect is that idea that even a butterfly with its tiny little wings can make changes. Basically a small tiny change can ripple out and have all kind of unexpected results. That's good. And, and that is a powerful idea that literally you can experience the butterfly effect in your own yeah. life. And so you just, you just make one positive change and follow that with another positive change and follow that with another positive change. And suddenly all of those little changes end up, influencing you to be a whole different person you know like I talk to people about the fact I got divorced nine years ago and when I got divorced nine years ago I had not really written anything in about 17 years oh wow and then within two and a half years I've been published 10 times oh yeah and then by this time now I have four books oh So at 43, I had zero books. Mm -hmm. Now uh, I just turned 53 and I have four and I'm working on my fifth. Wow. So it took, just like I said, I didn't, I didn't have when I divorced the idea that I was going to write these books. I wanted to, but it was so far away from where I was that I didn't even start there. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just doing, positive things first working on my self-esteem first working on my mindset first going to therapy and then that led to me trying new things so how did your change start when you were um you know a young adult when when did you kind of start growing away from like the this person that had been victimized and you started kind of taking more control of of who you were letting be around you, of of how you were seeing yourself and, and the life that you wanted to live? When did you start kind of making that shift? It
1: was when I started going to church. And I know people, they'll probably be like, oh, the church thing. But it actually was. It was church. Uh, I went to churches with my grandmother um, when I was growing up. I used to get on the old church fan with them and hated it as a little girl. I'm like, Lord Jesus, they smell like mints and alcohol, all that together. You know, (laughs) all that church band. But when I became a young adult, uh, well, actually, it started when uh, I tried to commit suicide when I was 16 after I had my first son. I didn't know anything about PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot going on. And I remember being in the hospital for a week. At that time. And women came into my door. I didn't want to talk to anybody when I got home. But these women came to my door. They talked to me. And once they talked with me, they encouraged me to go to church. It wasn't the same thing like with my grandmother at her church. This was totally different. It was a small little church in the cut. And I was like, oh, my, this is an old church. But I was nice because Mm -hmm. I love my grandparents. And so Mm -hmm. when I went and I see that... uh, family setting in that church. They never treated me like anything else. I didn't have the best clothes. They didn't care. I didn't have uh, any knowledge of how to act in church. They didn't care. They treated me so much like family. What do you need? Do you need pampers? Do you need clothes? They didn't talk about me. They were truly family to me. And to this day, I will never, ever forget them for being who they were to me and who some of them still are. Quite a few of them uh, and I talk online, but they were my family. It was not blood family. It was my church family. That's what helped me change the words that was encouraging from the pastor at that time, how the pastor took me in. and He began to teach me how to do things as a young woman that a dad would do. Um, how he would begin to just talk, influence me on how to be respectful and how to cook. I didn't even know how to cook grits. And so mm-hmm. they had a breakfast and he said, uh, he did so sweet. He said, baby, he said, them, those grits got little lumps on them, don't they? I said, yes, sir. He said, you don't, you don't put uh, grits. You don't have lumps in your grits. They got to, can't have them. He said, you might want to start over again. I said, Oh, okay. I was kind of hurt, but at the same time, glad that he told me because I wanted some nice grits. And so (laughs) I was glad he was just so sweet to me. Anytime he wanted to talk, I could call him at home, his wife at home. If I didn't understand something, I would call them. It's nothing wrong with my mom, but I knew she had a lot going on. And that's how I started with recognizing the correct influencers. Not everybody in the church was. Um, Holy moly. But I knew I took the gist of what I needed and understood how to grow into a beautiful young woman that I am today. And it started in the church. I mean, it doesn't have to start in church with everybody else. But for me, that's what God had me to be. He had me to go there and be there. When I had breast cancer. They were right there. Um, I had you would have thought they were all my family because they were right there waiting uh, on me. And um, I love that. And I always will thank God for allowing me to have that true family feeling of love and care and worth. Um, They just they just love me. Oh, my goodness. They just love me.
0: Well, that that's really there's so many people who have uh, discouraging stories Mm -hmm. related to religion, faith, church. So that's a beautiful story that you have about how they were able to influence you and kind of show you unconditional love. Yes. And that's that's really beautiful. So as you were, you know, going past this 17 year old period of time, um, when did you decide that you wanted to you, you got your GED and you decided you wanted to go to college? So so how did the whole like I'm going to get a degree in theology come about? Like, why? What was that decision about?
1: There's a pastor, okay, sorry, I went to uh, my local church for quite some time, and I knew that I had begun to grow, and I, and I left, and it was all good. Like I said, I still have good relationships with them. And so I moved on to another church, and the pastor there, he taught the word of God like eating candy. It was just so like, okay, I want to get more and more. Okay, I know this, I know that. And I was like, you know, I want to go to school now. And that's how I got started with theology because I wanted to eat more of God's word. Like, okay, I I want to be like him. I want to know. And then I found out that he actually went to uh, Lee University, and it was the school I was attending at that time. Um, I got to meet his professor. His professor came in to cover for someone, and I couldn't wait to tell him I met this guy. It was his favorite professor. And I went because I wanted to hear the word, and I wanted to ha- know how he so strongly, you know, looking back now, know how, but how he just was so, oh, with the word. And I'm just like, wow, this dude, bad. I'm going to give me some word like that. But now looking back, you know, that was a baby Christ. Looking back now and going to school, it was good. It was good. I still learned a lot of things, Um, but I don't plan on going to get my master's in theology at (laughs) all. (laughs) I I just don't see that happening. So, no, Um, my husband told me I should have been a teacher Uh. because, yeah, he says the way that. I uh, instruct, prepare lesson plans and do PowerPoints. He said, you should have been a teacher. He said, I don't know why you didn't answer that call. I said, I didn't get that call. You, you mm. I didn't get the call. I didn't get that call. But I love working with youth. I worked with the youth in the school system here in Charlotte for 20 years. Um, as a substitute teacher, I was a bus driver for 10. And then I worked Um, from substitute teacher during the time I had breast cancer for two years and then I went into the school system and became a registrar for the school which worked out well because a lot of students and I were able to connect and with the connecting with the students I learned a lot about some things that were going on with them and I developed some great relationships even to this day we have wonderful
0: relationships. Well that's really great so then What made you decide that you wanted to create unbreakable faith and and what is unbreakable faith?
1: So unbreakable faith is just the word unbreakable faith. So when I went through having the breast cancer when I was 25 years old, um, God let me see that I had unbreakable faith. He brought back the memories Of the things that I went through Even in my childhood And he said, you have unbreakable faith And so when I got out of the hospital After I had pneumonia From the breast cancer, I ended up having pneumonia And staying in the hospital And an angel came to me And an angel in the middle of the night told me What was wrong, why my temperature would not Go down And so that's when I received The word of unbreakable faith from the Lord And um, that was many Many years ago, like over two decades now. And so when I began to write my book, I've been there and um, someone said, you should take this a little further. You you should start an organization. And I always did want to do it, but I didn't know how. And so this person helped me out with that. And with that being said, I um, actually started, they said, what would you call your organization? I said, Unbreakable Faith. And it came out my mouth before I even thought about it. And Mm -hmm. I knew then with my tag and what God gave me for my tag, that this is it. This is it. And so I had to let some things go for this ministry here. And it is truly a ministry. I don't discriminate against anyone. It's just that what God has called me to do. Anybody can be a part. I always let people know that they always uh, be a part of the organization. So that's how I came up with unbreakable faith. It means that if you keep moving, your faith is not going to break. Keep going. That one more little step, just that little tiny step. Slide your feet, slide it forward just a little bit. Hold on to me. I got you. I'll hold you up. Come on. Unbreakable faith.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, I wanted you to kind of like we have about five minutes left. I normally keep my episodes like about an hour. Um, And so um, where can people find you? What are some of the things that, you know, you offer through your um, unbreakable faith organization, you know, and and just kind of whatever, I guess, messages you want to leave with the people as we kind of wrap up?
1: Yeah, absolutely um, So I can be found on all social media sites At um, Unbreakable Faith It's Unbrkfth.com That's my website And my website will link you into um, My site Where my book is My book is site. It's on that website You'll get linked into that So you can purchase the book as well um, I'm also on Instagram under, um, uh, Jesus, just went break. I just went break. Author underscore DeWitt on Instagram. Um, uh, on Facebook with Unbreakable Faith, YouTube. I'm on YouTube as well. We just finished up with YouTube. Um, doing some holiday things. We got some more holidays coming up on YouTube. Uh, and I always tell people this. Um No matter what is happening to you, uh, just remember that, that your day is coming. Your joy will be in the morning. And when I say that, it may not be tomorrow morning. It may not be the next morning, but your joy is definitely coming in the morning. And the Bible talks about how weeping man do it for a night. And sometimes people take that scripture out of context and say, weeping man do it for a night. Here it is morning. I'm still weeping. Well, that's not what it means. It means when your trial is up, your joy is coming. Please take time and your joy will come in the morning. We are not survivors. We are thrivers because we're destined
0: for greatness. I love that, you know. Um that really spoke to me because we all go through what I call the dark night of the soul. Mm. Some people call it the valley of the shadow of death. Like yeah. uh, but I had never really heard that scripture talked about that way. You know, I heard this pastor say, um, the Bible always reminds us that this too came to pass, not that yes. the same. Came <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and even I tell people nature reminds us that things are seasonal. Yes. You know, we have spring, summer, winter, fall. We started off talking about the weather. Yeah. And and how the, sometimes we don't like the cold, <laughs> but we need the cold. You know, we, we can't have it heat all the time. We need the rain. We can't have sunny days all the time. You know, so we need the changes. You know, you can't know good unless you kind of have seen bad. So yeah. mm-hmm. we, we have to see both sides and there's duality, you know, but it is, it's really encouraging to remember that you know, joy is coming in the morning and also to remember that there's so many things you can do to influence yourself, to grab to that joy. Cause even when you're going through difficulty, there can be moments of joy, even in a difficult situation. You know, I try to talk to people about self-care, even in the midst of your difficulties yeah. and self-empowerment, even in the midst of your difficulties. So you know, um, I wanted to thank you for coming out and sharing with us. And before we get out of here, you know, it is the Christmas season, so people that are seeing yeah. things, you know, on on these podcasts, and you know, you have your book that you have available. Um, I have some books on Amazon. I actually have a children's book called "You Are Wanted in Love Because You're You." Oh, and this is a illustrated poem. And it actually has affirmations in it, and it's got a bunch of different children of all races. And so it's yes. basically for anybody and everybody, but it also is ri- really written for the whole family. So okay. even adults, as they read it, can get something out of it that's going to be very uplifting. Yes. And I have a poetry prose memoir called Plenty of Guppies and Other Dating Misadventures. This is my personal healing journey. Okay. And I have a planner called the Ultimate Me Planner. And this is undated. And then I also have a guided journal, which is called Zenergize Your Life. Oh. Yes. And so those are all available on Amazon. um, And so you could actually, if you got Prime, you can get them in a couple of days. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And get them shipped to you. Um, they're all free on Kindle for people who have Kindle Unlimited. You can actually check them out all on Kindle Unlimited. So, um, for people who are out there doing their Christmas shopping, you know, don't forget about us authors here. Yeah, I do have other things on my website. You know, so if you go to my link tree, I have other, many other inspirational gifts and things that people can get. So I want to thank you so much for talking about um, what has influenced you throughout your life and the decisions you've made to be a positive influence to other people and uh, your unbreakable faith and how you named your organization that in the book that you wrote. Um, So I want to thank you for sharing all those things with the audience. And so thank you for coming out to be with us today in North Carolina. Yes, my (laughs) pleasure. My pleasure. And I want to thank everybody who has been tuning in and please check out the other episodes that I have. Please follow up with um, Miss Michelle DeWitt, you know, or Mrs. Michelle DeWitt. So you can see what she's doing What she talked about lots of resources that she has, workshops that she does. So check all those things out. And thank you guys for joining us. May you walk in Zenergy. Have a great day. Zen O'Shea, a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children.